0: This is The Shanice Lewis Show, the number one podcast for plus-size women. With your host,
1: the queen of curvy
0: conversation, Shanice Lewis. Welcome to the show. I'm your host Shanice Lewis. Today is a Monday, June twenty eighth, 2021. Make sure you're following this show's social media pages on Facebook at the Shanice Lewis Show and on Instagram and Twitter at Shanice Show. And make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast provider and never miss a show. Today we have a very special guest. Renee Cafaro is the U.S. editor of plus size print magazine slink and designer at her new luxury brand rca public label serving sizes 16 to 32 she has had a lengthy career in social justice and politics prior to her time in plus size fashion but finds both fields to be rooted in equality and advocacy RCA Public Label is partly mission-based, not only to serve the sizes most forgotten by the industry, but to aim to revitalize the economy in New York City's Garment Center post-pandemic. Let's welcome Renee to the show.
1: Hi, thank you so much. And what an introduction. <laughs> I mean, uh, you don't even need me. <laughs> got to cover it all. <laughs>
0: Well, I'm so excited to talk to you. You always have something exciting going on. So for my listeners that aren't familiar with you, tell us about your life prior to fashion, because prior to entering the fashion industry, you graduated from an Ivy League school and pursued a career in politics. So tell us about some of the highlights of your political career.
1: Um, Yes, well, it's it's a very weird path to fashion, but, um, you know, I was into fashion my whole life, but as a chubby kid in the 90s, I was sort of discouraged at a very, very young age that there's probably not a place for me, um, you know, even if I went to fashion school, it's sort of not a place for fat kids, and um, so I kind of kept my love for fashion on the back burner. Um, and went forth with the only other thing I was really passionate about, which was uh, labor relations and social justice, uh, which actually will be coming full circle with what we're going to be talking about with my brand. Um, and I started when I was at Stanford University, working um, on campus to help unionize um, some of the um, commercial food workers on, on campus, and, and really caring about, um, you know, workers' rights and equality. And um, so, social justice issues have been a passion of mine uh, since. My teen years um, and I created a a whole career sort of out of it starting in campaigns in 2004 right out of college and um, in New York City I had worked for uh, now New York City Comptroller Scott Stringer but um, I'd worked for him several times uh, in his career um, both in the city government and in um, campaigns and I was one of the The youngest members of David Patterson's gubernatorial uh, administration, uh, right after he took over, after uh, Spitzer had left. So Governor Patterson's administration, I was in his senior advisor's unit um, in a crazy time of 2008, 2009, when, you know, uh, the entire economy collapsed. Uh, and a plane went down, the Hudson, you know, all these funny, fun things were going on, very busy. Um, and, you know, I love my life in politics, but it does wear on you. And I started my own fundraising firm and um, just stayed active in, in advocacy stuff for, for years, but felt after a while that I kept getting farther and farther away from the people that I wanted to serve. Uh, so in 2016, I actually was being encouraged to run for office uh, for New York City uh, Council in 2017, There would be an open seat where I am in Manhattan. And I strongly consider that. You know, I was part of my community board for 10 years. I, I have a, a long career and, and network within political uh, action here in New York City. But um, I was also writing on the side. Uh, my, my side hustle was, uh, you know, I'd been writing for Yahoo and for Slink Magazine For years, I had my uh, blog, Foxy Roxy Fashion, um, since about 08 or 09 when I was in the governor's office. Um, But it was under a pseudonym of Roxy. My real name is Renee, Um, because I thought that, you know, my love of fashion and talking about where do I get plus-size clothing and um, diet issues and some very personal issues about going through uh, times of eating disorders and, and diet pill abuse, you know, I didn't really want. that life to um, permeate into the political life because I wasn't sure how the political field would feel about it. Um, And as I got older, you know, I realized that we now, and I think things honestly, even in that short period of time, um, the world has changed. You know, um, women are actually able to be both fashionable and taken seriously. Um, You know, it's still sometimes tough. But, um, you know, AOC, AOC still gets crap for her red lipstick, but, <laughs> but um, we're getting better. So now it's interesting. My, both my lives have kind of blended, um, and uh, I'm very happy that, you know, in 2016 I had that sort of crossroads moment of do I run for office, and then that same year, no joke, I was at the Democratic Convention in Philadelphia, um, you know, with the with the New York delegation for Hillary. and. Um, talking about my my future, and I got an offer to be the U.S. editor of of the magazine because I had previously just been a writer, and we were going to be going nationwide in Barnes & Noble, and they wanted a larger presence and were going to promote me. And I'm like, "Uh, can I see if Hillary wins and if that might be a whole other trajectory for my life? Uh, I'm like, give me a couple of months if you don't mind, and they did. So if Hillary
0: um, would have won, then you wouldn't have went in this direction?
1: I might not have. You know, I think it might have always still stayed in in a back burner, you know, part of my life. I've always been an advocate for uh, plus-size women, plus-size people, um, plus-size access to clothing. Um, Like I said, I was doing that beforehand, and I was getting more and more uh, comfortable by bringing that into my political life. So, you know, there still would have been that aspect, but it would have been a back burner because – I think there might have been opportunities for me, um, you know, had she won. And uh, the landscape would have been very different running in local office. Um, to be honest, I just didn't want to, you know, I didn't think there was the right – just being on that campaign, it was it was devastating, you know, um, and to, to lose. And then who we ended up with, it's like, you know, do I really want to uh, – to be to be in the political office at this time when I could be doing something so much more uplifting, and it's funny. I actually think I've done more for women uh, with, with Slink Magazine and plus-size fashion than I had with all these women rallies that I've had. Um, with you know having speakers at some sort of rally is great, but um, am I really reaching individuals? And that's why I got into politics in the first place. And like I said, the the higher up the ladder you go. Um, Great for me, I guess, but it's not what I wanted to do because it's you, you get farther away from the people you serve. Wow. Um, and this is a way for me to speak directly to individuals. You know, since I transitioned over into politics, uh, out of politics into fashion, been doing um, shows like yourselves and then uh, panel discussions and um, thought pieces. And it's great to hear directly from women who resonate with my story and and want to talk about their eating eating disorders overcoming body image issues it's um that to me is what's really moving um is you know how can i push the needle forward to make people's lives a little bit better and those outside of the plus size fashion world might think that fashion is a fluffy way to make someone's life better like it doesn't matter but for us and as you know being one of the pioneers of the plus size influencer world you know that this isn't just fashion. You know, it's not right. just trends and and looking pretty. It's literally equal access to being able to express ourselves however we see fit, but to dress appropriately. I mean, I remember having a hard time buying what I was supposed to be wearing when I worked in the government, you know, um, to look professional enough. You know, the concerns of am I going to get promoted because, you know, I, I can't find a shirt, a button-down blouse that, that covers my boobs, you <laughs> so I'm wearing, like, tank shirts, right. you know, trying to make myself look professional just because of my size, you know, to be discriminated against by my peers as not being seen as professional and being seen as overly sexy just because I have a large bust, but also that I was kind of discriminated against by brands. Um, I couldn't find the clothes I needed. <laughs> so that, to me, is an equality and access issue and not just a fashion issue.
0: So which industry do you think is harder to break into and make a name for yourself? Cuz politics has, you know, two parties and different cliques, but the plus-size industry does too. So which one you think is harder?
1: <laughs> well, you know, I actually was I was saying the other day like um people think fashion is like the the biggest divas in the world, like devil wear's Prada. I'm like no. Politics absolutely has bigger divas. Um <laughs> um <laughs> So there's a much larger attitude that you uh, have to deal with in politics, um, and I think it's harder just in general because the, the gumption and the steel backbone you really need to have, the conviction you need to have to be able to continue to do this job, which is essentially abusive. I mean, uh, you're talking to everybody, you know, voters, opinion makers, you know, the like, all the like, everybody, and... Um, You you get verbally abused quite on the regular, (laughs) Um, and you have to be able to sort of take it and um, be professional, don't lose your cool, stay on message, Um, you know, keep your perspective of why you're fighting for this. When people – I mean, I've gotten spit at. I've gotten guns pulled on me. What? Yeah. I mean, campaigning actually in Ohio is the worst because um, they're they're sort of all kind of gun nuts out there, and – yeah, you know, people just don't want you. they don't like your party, they don't like your candidate, they don't like you just on their stoop whatever it is. Um yeah, several times. Um I <laughs> the, the books I could write about just just even knocking doors on campaigns alone would be a volume of books of the stories you come across. So I think it's harder because it's, um you know, it's getting easier now for there's a lot more young people that are breaking glass ceilings right now, but um you know, when I would start getting involved in the early 2000s, being like 20, it would be unfathomable to do anything other than being, you know, a, a small-time campaign kid, um, you know, even till you're in your 40s. And, um, you know, young Democratic uh, candidates were maybe 38, 37, you know, um, years old uh, at the absolute youngest for the most part. Um, except for my sister who actually ran for office at 27 and that was like unheard of and everyone, she got a lot of flack for that um, back in that day. But now it's different. So it might be a little easier now, but I think in general politics is harder because um, it all depends on where you are running, etc. cetera. Um, and there's always people who want to put you through your paces. Um, but an institutional knowledge is very important there. Where I think in the fashion industry you still have the issue of clicks, uh, institutional knowledge, needing to know, you know, who are the big wigs you need to, to talk to, etc. Um and, you know, you have your sets of mean girls and <laughs> there's lots of rules right. and like every industry. I think in every industry you're gonna have clicks and you're gonna have barriers. Um, but the great thing is you have Less traditional way, pathways. Um, some, of, you know, a lot of the problem with politics is very rigid in how people perceive how you move up the ladder, um, and you know you have to put in lots and lots of time in certain ways. Whereas in fashion, it could be as simple as having good enough content to go viral on TikTok, and now you have an audience. You know, Once you yeah, have right. eyeballs and you have an audience and you can strike a chord with people, you can break in into your own way. Um, and fashion is now moving away from the you know Anna Wintour and the main fashion houses ruling everything. It's not just CFDA has to anoint you and Vogue needs to anoint you, and otherwise you're not in. There's lots of different pathways now into fashion, and it's really exciting – um you know, I think that the plus size world was sort of started in on, on Blogspot and Tumblr and stuff before Instagram, but really took off once in you know Instagram became a thing um and just to see the folks who have um who have broken in and um that being said though I mean I'm glad this is places people can get you know new pe- new faces and new blood can get in that being said i feel that in the plus size fashion community particularly um we seem to forget about those who got us here um you know there's the Marie Denays and the Quendevos and the uh, the Jessica Kanes and Scorch magazine and those things that were like way you know they were doing this thing way before instagram yeah. was a thing and yeah. um and I just feel like sometimes we get caught up in who has the most followers and not um, look at the brands, look at the people that were doing the work when it was harder, you know, when you were just running a website and not social media, Um, you know, that kind of, that kind of work um, um, was much more difficult um, to get, to get a following. And, uh, you know, it's a much easier platform now, but, I do think that that's that sort of one thing that I kind of wish plus size fashion had was um, I hate I definitely do not want to call it like respect for your elders. Cause none of you guys are old, <laughs> but, but you know, it's like the first generation of, of influencers before they were called influencers.
0: Right. You know, you preach into the choir right now. I agree.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so
0: this is a, Big week for you because you are counting down the days launching a new clothing line. Now, besides just putting out fashionable clothes, you actually want to help revitalize the New York City Garment Center. So prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, did you have plans to launch a clothing line or did this vision come to you during the lockdown?
1: Um. Kind of both. Uh, so I've, I've always wanted to design. Like I said, you know, this is something I've been sketching and designing for as long as I can remember. Um, and I actually designed one of the dresses that, you know, I'm, I'm pushing now and it's, it's filed a patent application for, actually. Uh, this is a patent pending dress. I'm calling it the convertible dress. It um, has a built-in bra support. It's particularly for women over a triple D. You know, I'm a G-cup and I've always hated the fact that I don't have anything strappy. I don't have anything that packs flat. Um, and I actually came up with that idea when I was working for the governor's office in 2009, and I drew it up. And it was one of those back burner kind of shark tank ideas, like someone should make this one day. And never thought I'd ever have the time or the ability, and I think because my mind was in that sort of political world, you know, like I just said, we have a very rigid idea of how you you were climb a ladder. So I think I limited myself, saying, well, I didn't go to FIT when I was a kid, so now my time is gone. Um, and now I, I can't do – I can't I can't ever fashion, be a fashion designer or, or make a brand because I didn't start from the beginning at 18 the way I did with politics. So I picked my track. and um, But I've always been writing, even, you know, from college. So writing was something that was a little bit easier for me to understand I can do. Now, I went to uh, – Right before the pandemic, in, 20, in January 2020, I got the amazing opportunity of going for the first time ever to Paris Couture Week, and um, I went to the Scaparelli show, which was a huge deal for me, because Scaparelli and just Elsa Schiaparelli in general, uh, has been a big influence on me since I started drawing around 10 years old. Um, she invented the color shocking pink, and when I was about 10, um, I, had, I was obsessed with this movie, uh, Funny Face. Uh, with Audrey Hepburn and it was all about um, kind of an homage to to her with Shocking Pink and um, you know all this fashion in Paris and I had drawn this overskirt jumpsuit with a Shocking Pink lining was black and pink. I actually had it made um, for me to wear to that show because it was sort of an homage to her that a full circle moment for me so it's a little corny but um, you know, when I was there, I'm like, you know, I really just want to do one great couture show one day for all plus size. Now, I mean, I've been covering shows for Slink Magazine for almost a decade, and it's great that there's more diversity on these uh, these runways, but there's very rarely been, other than the 11 Honoree one-time show that they did, you know, at New York Fashion Week, there's never been an all plus size couture show and a lot of times, when there are the plus-size models on, on runways, they get the boring clothes. You know, they're never getting the, the crazy art piece that's a showstopper. They're kind of getting the plainer clothes of that collection. So I always thought I would do, like, a passion project of designing clothe, couture clothing, because um, I've been making my own clothes for a while, too. Um, so i make some stuff for other people, something of that nature, a real, real side project. And it wasn't until quarantine happened that um, not only did I have the time, but I also had the the resources. So when, we, when no one had any form of PPE at the beginning of lockdown in, in March, um, and a lot of my friends in the fashion industry were suddenly out of a job, um, I hired a bunch of people to make masks and hospital gowns that I then donated to New York City hospitals in March of last year. And a couple months later, you know, um, some of those folks that worked for incredible brands are still kind of furloughed and not sure where their future is. Um, and meanwhile, Slink's like pivoted entirely. We were supposed to shoot our cover for a print issue the day that New York locked down. So everything, got, we scrapped the whole issue, had to pivot into to online stuff. And, um, and everyone's sort of up in the air. They're like, do you have any other work? And so I, pulled out the drawings of this dress and I'm like I can't see you obviously we're all in quarantine if I mail this to you and I sort of stitch something together you know ripped up some bras and cops <laughs> I like, kind of roughly stitch something together and send you this crude drawing from like 2009 do you think you could make a pattern and that's how it all started um, wow yeah we were literally FedExing stuff back to back and forth to each other Um, you know, and and doing fittings on Zoom, you know, with me just holding my tape measure in front of myself and they're taking a screenshot of it. Um, Doing fittings entirely remotely, um, entirely in quarantine, was insane, to be honest. Uh, But I was, you know, worked with incredible talents that I wouldn't have been able to find. They wouldn't have had the time for me and I I probably wouldn't have gotten them at at such a good rate either um, had they not, you know... All been sort of freelancers looking for for stop measures and uh, we built a small little library of of, uh, of patterns for staples that I personally just really wanted and I thought well maybe I'll, if these are fixing my problems I was kind of hoping it would fix other large girls problems because I'm, I'm a 20 I think at this point and um, you know I've always been flexing be somewhere between a 16 and a 20 my whole life uh, but I'm on the bigger side now, so I'm on the 20, and so I'm very solidly um, in the average range of plus-size women, visibly plus, plus, um, and I just get so frustrated that most brands, they either, the cheap ones grade poorly, and you end up right. with things like wonky long sleeves that make no sense, um, and you're like, am I going to really spend as much money on alterations as the dress costs? Probably not, you know? So you end up with either that problem on the cheap side and on the expensive side, just flat out does not fit because fit models are not built like regular – they aren't built like regular consumers. You know, they're um, very tall but also very thin-armed or or flatter in the stomach. So even the plus fit models, um, if you fit off of a 16 that's perfectly hourglass, that's very tall, she's going to have a very thin stomach and – very narrow arms, which means like you know your jackets aren't going to fit if you buy it. And so I always find myself not being able to buy stuff, even if I buy the biggest size in a plus size uh, luxury brand. So um, or that just you know, doesn't something's wrong about them. So I put a lot of time into functionality. My mini skirts, I've always wanted an A-line mini skirt, something that's classy but also sexy. You know, I'm I'm 37, so I love to look cute still, but um, I don't. I want to look matronly, but I don't want to look like Fashion Nova. So, where are the brands that are in the middle? You know, I <laughs> so don't want to look I, like Fashion Nova.
0: <laughs> exa- I'm like, there's a time and a place
1: for that, and there's a, and it's not every day. And um, you know, there's a time and a place for um, you know the the Lane Bryant's of the world. But I felt like there wasn't really anything sort of in the middle that was sort of edgy, kind of chic, sexy, but also sort of age appropriate for for those that are sort of in between, and, um, I did a mini skirt, and it's a true mini mid-thigh in the front, and, um, the biggest issue is that I always felt, well, everybody needs pockets, first of all, (laughs) pockets, I'm like, I would love to see a skirt with pockets, so it's an A-line mini skirt that has deep enough pockets, you could put everything in there, and you can't see them, uh, there's no bulk at all, because it's an A-line skirt, um, so you don't see stuff bulging out of your pockets that you love, but, um, all of my skirts and dresses, uh, we have a two-inch thing that I call the ass allowance, which <laughs> is the allowance to you get. So when you put it on, the, the skirt looks level. It looks like a mini skirt on both sides, but it's actually about two, possibly three inches, depending on the size, longer in the back. So then if you have a booty, it doesn't rise up where you have the situation where it's a nice right. short skirt, a nice short dress in the front, and it's totally obscene in the back, and you're showing your Spanx bike shorts, and it's a whole mess. You know, you don't, you don't want any of that. So, um, what's the
0: uh, what's the what's the price point of your clothing line?
1: So, I wish I could do it better. I'm I'm doing it about as narrowly, pretty much not making profit. I'm doing it as narrowly as possible. Um, I've already been yelled at by several people in the industry for the fact that I have like a fifteen percent margin, and I should be having like a seventy percent margin. Um, but the Biggest mission of this is that because I am using people locally in New York City that are great talents, it's obviously more expensive to do things in New York City, and we're using small businesses, it's really about their time and their hourly. So the the bulk of the money is their hourly, and then I just chalk up a little bit more on, on for um, some of the materials. And I'm not even charging for my time at all in these prices, so um, we're between... Well, most everything is two hundred dollars, um, yeah. so it's not terrible, you know. And the quality of the stuff is incredible because the the folks that I have working with me have worked for Christian Siriano, they've worked for Versace, they've worked for Balmain. I mean, these people know their stuff. You know, they've been tailors for forever and and sellers for some of the greatest brands. And um, our manufacturing, uh, we have two manufacturing places in the city, um, again, both all five boroughs, uh, you know, so one's in Queens, one's in Manhattan, and um, I've been very lucky, you know, finding people that are willing to work with a small brand um, that has small volume. And a um, lot so of them are giving me a pretty good deal, to be honest. Um, you know, it. If I were a big company, I think that making my motorcycle jacket would be upwards of $400 for a sample. You know, I walked into one place, the first place. I talked to everybody. It took me forever to figure this out, but I would talk to everybody. And, I mean, I walked into one place, and they're like, oh, in order to do a motorcycle jacket sample for you, that's, you know, $650. i am like, whoa, <laughs> that's like three times more than I want to sell it for. So I'm out of here. Uh, and, you know, so it, it took a little trial and error. Uh, I do really love the team. It's such an awesome little diverse team of go-getters that I just love so much. And, you know, I think they are we're all trying to do the same thing of, of um, they buy into the mission of, of doing this for plus sizes. Some of them have never worked specifically for plus only and are really excited by the challenge. And they've really stepped up. And even though I didn't go to design school, they've been, uh, you know, I've, Learn a lot from them, but they've also been learning quite a bit from me. Because uh, there's been a few sometimes some times where I'm like, actually, this is the way we need to do this. I, we, I hand-graded everything with them. So then um, we created our own set of grading rules just for RCA public label. Um, because I understand what pluses bodies do, like, logically, whereas a lot of these folks don't. And um, for my convertible dress that has a built-in bra, I'm like, actually the bra needs to kind of stay smaller even when we get I'm like at some point it plateaus. And they're like, I don't understand. That's not how that's not how grading works. I'm like, Yeah, I know, but but how bodies work <laughs> I'm like if you're a size thirty, you know, you might have lipidemia, you have you know, we have to accommodate for a almost seventy inch hip. Um, but that does not mean that you have a an proportional sixty inch bust or even 70 inch bust like that's not really going to happen um you know you don't have just because you go up in size doesn't mean that your cup size is now you know adequately going up as many inches um so trying to explain how the bodies work where we really hold our weight um fighting to make sure that we had a lot of um room in arms I, I'm going to be the first first I've ever seen and if anyone could find me someone else who's done this I'm happy to retract my statement of being the first but I think I'm the first size chart to put bicep measurements on it um, mm. and because I, I was so I'm always so upset that I can't buy anything in person you know it's plus size woman it's really hard to buy stuff in person so I can never buy jackets because 90 percent of them have a 14 inch arm and I have like a 19 inch arm uh, circumference oh. of my bicep and, um, you know, when you have large biceps and you got to deal with fat arms, most jackets, they deal with the, what's called the arm side, which is the, the measurement like kind of around the sleeve, you know, where the sleeve meets the rest of the body that seam people do that. And then they kind of forget about the biceps. So, you know, you have that that issue of, like, putting on a jacket you feel like should fit the rest of your body, but you can't get your arm in it, and it's, like, the most frustrating experience ever. Um, But now I'm putting in bicep measurements into the – it's the front page of the website. Uh, First thing you'll see at the bottom is, uh, when you scroll down, is a, a big size chart, which will have the bicep on it. Um, So that will explain and give people more confidence when they're buying jackets. You know, I fit this on a lot of people. Most amount of money I've spent has been on hours of fit models time. Um, I put it on all sorts of shapes and sizes, um, you know, tall, you know, depending on whatever fruit – you know, shape you want to call yourself, (laughs) Uh, you know, apples, pears, you know, the rest of them. Uh, I tried these things on as many different kinds of women, you know, fit models, but also regular women, just random friends of mine, other influencers. So then I could be confident about um, getting as damn near close to a good, perfect fit for everyone. Because that's what's really important to me is I don't want someone's experience to be different if you're the size 32 versus if you're the size 16. So we actually made an entire, for the jackets, we made an entirely different pattern for the size 26 and up because once you started grading, even though we were kind of hand grading it, you're, the, the fit looked a little different, you know, by, te- by the time we got to 26. I'm like, no, I want to make sure the zippers are exactly with the same placement and that everything is exactly the same experience um, and nothing seems too boxy. Or too big well, or too long. If you get to this, a bigger size,
0: this sounds super exciting. So, what day is this collection dropping?
1: Oh, so everything shipped out to the fulfillment center on Friday, so they got it today. Uh, we lodge on Friday, um, so uh, it'll be July Fourth weekend. So we're going to be dropping it on Friday. People can follow me at RCA Public Label on Instagram um that is where i'm going to be teasing all the things and people can know exactly when it's going to be going down um but rcapubliclabel.com is uh my online store which i've done all by myself so um it seemingly works i've actually checked it if you done this? But I'm not a great tech person but you know i'm a very bare bones operation over here uh so very proud of doing my own e-commerce site um so I sh- hopefully it won't crash or anything, but, but it's up now. And I've actually uh, released the so up there will be the size chart, will be some some pictures, uh, will be our story behind you know what we are, what we're doing, and our mission. Um, but also uh, we have online gift cards. So if you have any friends or family um, that you think would might enjoy something, you know you can get gift cards as of right now. Um, they're just digital. We'll just email you a barcode. But this weekend we're going to be launching, and um, I'm going to be giving out free shipping for the launch as well for the first week, which is great um, to make things a little bit easier. You can also, I've uh, integrated Shop Pay so people can pay in installments. Um, nice. You know, because I know times have been hard, and you know, I know people might be a little wary about spending money. But, you know, after the year that everyone's had, I think it's time to treat ourselves regardless of, you know, your quarantine weight gain. I'm so sick of people talking about how they need to lose their weight before they can go shopping again. If we didn't learn anything in the past year, we should have learned life is too short. Um, Treat yourself. Invest in yourself. Invest in something that matters instead of fast fashion that hurts the planet and has, you know, and hurts people, you know, because you're you're in a sweatshop labor, you know, is, is terrible. Right. I, I can't ever do that. A lot of people have been like, you could make so much more money if you just did somewhere else. I'm like, you're missing the point. Point is, I wanted to do it here because, you know, I believe in labor relations. And like I said, that was at my core is making sure that people are get a fair living wage uh, and that that means that it's a more expensive product. That's what that means. But, you know, we have a fair living wage for those that I work with, but also, and it's about These small businesses, like I personally buy, it's only a dollar or so more to buy a yard to buy fabric at a wholesaler in the garment center than it is to buy it online. Um, So I'm like, I'd rather go and help those people pay their rent. So every single dime I can spend locally, I am spending um, so then I can try to help people out of this pandemic after being closed for a year, um, which I've been very grateful, and I've been very happy, you know, again, getting closer to people and um, getting closer to feeling like even though it's a little – I'm just a small business as well, so I'm probably not infusing a ton of money, but I'm very happy and uh, that I am doing what I can um, and once I start ma- turning a real profit, um, which hopefully will be soon, I, <laughs> uh, I did my first launch with the on Array and we did sell quite a bit. So that was, that was great. Um, that was a one trunk show though. And so that was one pre-sale trunk show. Uh, but it went well enough that that's why I wanted to do this, uh, you know, rcapubliclabel.com. Um, and the, my, my plan is, uh, this year at the end of our first quarter, uh, Assuming that I'm not completely in debt but by <laughs> uh, turn a profit, um, I want to give a, a percentage to uh, organizations that help women, especially women of color in business um, and so i 've actually been talking to folks like 15 um, Percent Pledge and um, a lot of like black owned business advocacy organizations sort of um, I want to pick a new new group sort of every quarter for the lifespan of my brand, which I hope is going to be a very long time, um, to do a little bit of giving back, of, um, you know, trying to even the playing field, especially for women, and women of color particularly because that's on the – if it wasn't for black women, we'd have no plus size clothing. We'd have, like, no advocacy. Um, I mean, if it wasn't for, like, the black women I worked with in politics in New York when I first got here, I would never have known about – Ashley Stewart and all the other great places on 125th to find cute clothes. So <laughs> they're personally part of my journey too. Um, so, you know, I, I really think that it's important to to pay it forward, um, especially to other women that are trying hard to make their small business dreams happen too. So with my success, I try to take part of that to help other people's success um, because I really have always believed you know, whether it was in politics or whether it is what I do now with Slink and what I do on panels and what I'm doing with this, this mission-based brand is that, you know, together we all rise. And so I, I really want to try to keep the essence of community going through everything. And so I'm really excited for the, to launch this weekend. And I'm even more excited to start hearing from people who are buying stuff, um, you know, and I'm all ears if I if I miss the mark on a fit and um, or if someone – wants an outfit in a size I don't have, um, I'm also game for that. You know, I It goes up to 32, but I know that bodies don't end at a 32. So I've actually started grading, and I am prepared for anybody, uh, male, female, gender fluid, doesn't matter. If you want my clothes in your plus size and you feel underrepresented, email me, call me, contact me, DM me, whatever. I'm here for you.
0: Well, that is amazing. I'm so happy for you and you definitely have my support but Thank before you. you before you go i want you to um quickly give us updates about slink magazine before you go
1: yes so um my other hats <laughs> as us editor um i definitely have been telling a lot of people like this does not mean that that slink is gone uh we've been on a bit of hiatus cuz we're print magazine um britain is you know it's where it's based Britain's still in lockdown, basically. So they haven't quite gotten it together. Um, So we're looking at – we were looking at fall for this year, but it might actually have to push to be early 2022 being the next issue back. Um, My editor-in-chief and founder, Rivke Baum, um, she's also getting married. So if she listens to this, congratulations, Rivke, she's getting married soon. Um, So, you know, we have a lot going on on the slink side. So we're thinking fall – would be great when things start to open up again in all the countries that Slink is in, because um, we are an import in, in several countries um, and we want to make sure people can safely get to those stores and, and buy them. So um, stay tuned. We're really excited. We're working on themes right now. Uh, we're going to be biannual uh, like we were right before the pandemic. Um, so that's two issues a year. We're going to do the bigger and meatier issues. Uh, bigger, beefier issues instead of doing four like we were before, um, so we 'll be coming back with bang very soon
0: and are you taking submissions for Slink magazine if somebody wants to submit uh, um, pictures or content?
1: Yeah, you know we actually had never done submissions before the before the pandemic, and we actually did two online issues completely from submissions because uh, we couldn 't do shoots really. Um, Oh, well, actually, we did one shoot. We did a cover shoot for our fall issue of last year, which I directed on FaceTime, which was really crazy. Uh, (laughs) uh, Comedian Dilsey Sloan was our cover girl, and um, she was shot in New York and did this whole thing, and and I was very high risk, uh, so I couldn't travel um, I couldn't leave quarantine, so I was actually doing it via Zoom. But aside from that, um, we do start accepting submissions. I think we're going to do accept less when we start doing print again. Um, but if you go to editor at slinkmagazine dot com or slink magazine on Instagram, you can DM us. Um, we we want to see people's portfolios. Um, it needs to be information, you know obviously stuff that's not been printed somewhere else and something that you own the rights to. Um, but really what I'd love to hear is some good stories. So if anyone's got some great articles they want to write about, you know, something maybe coming out of the pandemic, you know, their body image journeys, I think their next issue is going to be a little bit about um, coming out of our cocoon, you know, turning over a new leaf, you know, sort of getting re-released in this society. So it's going to be a pretty inspirational um inspirational type of issue. So um, for any of your listeners that have a great story they'd like to share uh, about their journey, either in plus-size fashion, body image, you know, um, anything of that nature, or just anything else, and you happen to be a plus-size person doing something fabulous, um, you know, that, I I love just interviewing people um, doing their thing at all sizes. So I'm all ears. Just DM us at Slink Magazine, and I'm happy to, to take it up um, to – our editor-in-chief who makes all the final decisions and and see if we can get people in there.
0: Well, awesome. You have a lot going on, but all good (laughs) things, all positive. So, again, congratulations. You definitely have my support. Any way I can help, just let me know. And uh, before you go, tell us your official website and social media pages for everything.
1: All right, my official website is www.rcapubliclabel.com and on tiktok which i just learned how to use um we are (laughs) uh, and on instagram we are rca public label there as well um it stands for renee cafaro atelier which is my parent group you know that's going to be the the Main organization that if I do more couture stuff, which I'm working on too, working on some of that stuff. There'll be some hopefully a fun virtual runway that I can maybe share with you in September. I'm going to be filming some some fun stuff. Um, so Renee Atelier is the Couture um, LLC, which owns uh, RCA Public Label. So that's I can remember. Renee is RCA Public Label. I wanted to be the opposite of everybody's private labels because I thought private labels were silly and I want to bring my stuff to the public. Um, I'm I'm tired of the exclusivity. (laughs) Um, And so I thought it was just kind of funny. And (laughs) so it's rcapubliclabel.com and rcapubliclabel is what we are under for all of our social media.
0: Well, thanks again for taking the time out to talk to me today and I definitely look forward to everything you have coming up. Oh,
1: uh, I'm I'm so excited! And you know, you are always out there doing so many great things, and I really appreciate you know you giving me a platform to speak to all your listeners. And and if you ever need to be dressed for something, you know where to go. <laughs> I would hook I'll hook you up with something.
0: Okay, I'm gonna keep your word to that. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, please do. <laughs> uh, thank you well, so much, uh, We'll be in
0: touch. Have a great day.
1: Thank you. Bye.
0: And thank you to my special guest, Renee. Make sure you check out her Line RCA public label and make sure you support. And I've been your host this evening, Shanice Lewis. Thank you for tuning in and supporting me. Until next time, keep thriving in your curves and be blessed. You've been listening to the Shanice Lewis Show. For more info about the show, visit ShaniceLewisShow.com. Step in.